Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we approach the end of our 10th season. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're back in the same place once again, which means that we're fortunate enough to be joined by our third brother, Marty Brueggemann. Marty, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. So happy to be here. Absolutely. This is really fun. It's time for another installment of Original Showcase. This is a series of episodes we do as we approach each season end where we play our music, music that the Super Mercado Brothers have composed. Anyone who's listened to a couple episodes of the show know that we don't typically do this. We play, you know, music from actual video games, not composed by us. But once a season, I think we had this idea sometime around episode maybe 20 or 21 when we started the podcast. We were like, what if we had an episode just once where we played our music and it people really seemed to enjoy it. So that we had this tradition every 25 episodes, we do another installment of Original Showcase. As you can tell in the Brueggemann family, we really like traditions and uh, they're sort <laughs> Sort of important to us, especially, and especially at this time of year. Yeah, around around the holidays, True. whether it's like a movie that we watch once a year, or uh, everybody sleeping over on Christmas Eve, or something like that. Yeah, uh, we have lots of little idiosyncrasies and uh, traditions in this family, and that sort of pooled over uh, into this podcast. And even within these episodes, we have sort of uh, semi-traditions in terms of what music we choose to share. Yeah, it's almost been, it's kind of this like running joke for the podcast. Like not only do we do these original showcases, but I know for a while I would do these tracks called Man Rock and then I would do stage one, two, and three. Right. And Will has something that we'll get we to that's kind of sort of, that. you know, fake games just for the purposes of writing music for yeah, the it, showcase. Yeah, it's a lot right. of fun. I think it's a bonus that, that our listeners seem to, at least so far, have enjoyed these segments. So hopefully you guys will continue to enjoy these original showcase well, episodes. And I will say, as a listener uh, of the show, uh, as well as sort of an honorary Marcado brother, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really enjoyable to to hear your guys' voice as well, writers. I know it's that- great context for your own opinions and a lot of your commentary for you know the great video game music that you play it, that's spot on that's really the reason why i think we started you know to want to do this so it's kind of a way to check in with you guys let you know what we've been up to and i'm excited today because we're going to play a little bit more music for marty than maybe i think we have in previous installments yeah, there have been episodes where marty hasn't been here mm-hmm. we've featured some of his music and then he's been a guest on uh some episodes before but this should be a little bit more of an even uh three-way split and then we're going to be playing some music that carl and i have composed together for different game projects so uh, this should be sort of a nice fun playlist awesome well let's get into it we have a lot of music to get to today what you guys heard playing in was a composition by marty brueggemann that was called thunderfall very good sequencing you know orchestral yeah some of you might not be aware but that was um sequence those are virtual instruments there it's always it always kind of bothers Marty, the why mind. don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Thunderfall and your process writing that track? And I know others were written for sort of the same purpose. Sure. This was actually a piece written for a music library, a music library in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, looking forward to hopefully being placed in maybe a show or a commercial sometime down the road. Um, awesome. And kind of built so that it could be very, very loopable and it's sort of right. it's kind of section based so it could sort of be mixed and matched. Well, you uh, sort of adopted um, our modern kind of film music orchestral idiom for that style. I mean, I know you just being your brother and a big fan of your work, you're a very versatile composer and you can write a lot of music that's uh, more sort of classically rich or romantic. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I really respected how with this piece, and I've heard you do some others in this style where it's really 
really sort of meant to be restrained in this specific uh, sound. Ah, oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't know. There's always new avenues that we all explore as brothers of like capturing specific stylistic right. traits and seeing how far we can go with it. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have more of that today, I know, from Will. So, all right. Let's move on. We're going to play a piece of music that I composed. Uh, This is kind of just a one-off track. There wasn't any particular reason I made this. Um, Every once in a while, just to kind of make sure I'm limber with, like, composing and sequencing and, you know, production stuff, I I always just try to make sure that if it's been a while, if it's been, like, a few weeks or something and I haven't written a song, I always just want to, you know, go back to the drawing board. So this is a track I made called On the Bubble. And this is kind of a quasi-chip tune. I think it has some NES uh, elements in it, maybe on the lead, but uh, some other more modern instruments mixed in there. I just had a good time with this one. Didn't think too much about it. Just kind of let my instincts take over. Hopefully you guys enjoy On the Bubble. guys are listening to On The Bubble. This is a track that I composed uh, a few months back, I believe. I think there was a little bit of gas left in my um, tank from Back in Orbit. Had a fun time with this. Uh, Yeah, so the lead of this is Chip Sound's um, NES. uh, And then I had some synth bass and uh, so I think there's some Wurlitzer in here. Uh, Just a combination, kind of a hodgepodge of different sounds. But yeah, I I had a lot of fun putting this track together. This is great. I I love this one, Carl. Thanks, dude. uh, I love how very minimal the melody is, Mm -hmm. Um, and then as the track evolves, we're sort of filling in all the detail around the melody with great Sonic-like PSG-style accompanying lines. I think I've said, I'm glad you said that. I've said this so many times before, but if I turn my brain off and don't think about something, what I end up writing is Sonic-y. Like, I just can't even... I feel like maybe the most Sonic-y things I've written are when I think the least about something, you know? It's, It's I don't know why. that can happen, yeah. I think some of our greatest influences uh, tend to be like that because mm-hmm. it's less about specific um, musical gestures and more about like a fundamental philosophical thing. I totally agree. Uh, you know, and I mean, I, th- I think you see it with lots of composers where when people sort of point to the obvious influences, sometimes they're, I think, missing uh, the point because they're looking at what mm-hmm. are this, what does this gesture remind me of and what are they evoking in this specific track? And I think us as composers, we all have experience of like trying to match somebody's style. But I think uh, 
the pe- the people that you listen to when you're really young and that are really influential into why yeah. you want to become a composer, I think their influence is something that you're not always conscious of. And I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do end up forming your core values, your core <laughs> musical <laughs> yeah. values. And how so funny it, is it? It is really a philosophical. How funny that is it that for me it was like sonic, like sonic music? I don't know why, but like almost it's perfect. anything. And it also it just ends up being this this great sort of hybrid of styles that mm-hmm. I think does actually represent your personality. Well, that's cool to hear. Uh, Will, I think we're going to move on to you. We're going to play a track of yours from your album you released this summer. Yeah, I released an album of orchestral and chamber music called Axiom. Uh, it was meant to be sort of a celebration of film music and um uh, different film music traditions from different eras is essentially just a collection of a lot of instrumental pieces that I'd been writing over the years and making my own uh, sequenced mock-ups, sometimes featuring um, uh, real performers and soloists. This is a track I haven't yet uh, shared on an original showcase. It's called Obsidian. And uh, this is sort of my take on trying to blend um, sort of a modern... Uh, orchestral film music aesthetic with harmonies that feel a little bit uh, more old school. It, mm. To me, it was kind of like the idea of making a modern day film noir. So you have these yeah. harmonies that evoke this sort of 1950s, 1940s like production jazz is... harmony. But yeah, but with a production and using repetitive ostinatos and almost sure. groove-based Well, one writing. F- quick thing I want to say before we play this. I remember the night that Will was trying to name this track and I was going to leave. It was maybe like 1130 or something. And I had my jacket on and I was ready to leave. And Will sometimes has this ability to like keep me like staying a long time. <laughs> he's laying on the couch and he's like, I don't know. What do you think? Something about like debonair or like something about the night or like the crime, some kind of film noir. And then it took hours. We spent like two and hours. I think I left at like names. 2 a.m. Yeah. And sure. we finally came I will let you know that Obsidian. is always on purpose. Whenever you guys try to leave and I get you to stay, yeah. I, it's just because I, I don't like when you guys leave. Traditions. All right, Sad. so finally, it's a long time coming. Let's take a listen to Obsidian.
We're listening to Obsidian. This is uh, an original orchestral track that I wrote for my album Axiom, which you can uh, download. It's pay what you want uh, on our Bandcamp page, supermarcadobrothers.bandcamp.com. This is such a cool track. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Michael Giacchino, I guess, is one composer that comes to mind. Sure. Um, I, I could hear that. Yeah. As far as it's definitely a modern piece of, I think it kind of feels like film music, but it, it's definitely paying reverence to earlier eras. And you mentioned film noir. I think of some of Giacchino's work, he kind of has that same finger on like that same button in a multiple different projects that he's done. So this could fit into maybe a Mission Impossible movie. Oh, uh, sure. There's, there's a lot of different... Um, yeah, for me, I, I was uh, really thinking about uh, Bernard Herrmann, sure, uh, the sure. great... Uh, kind of golden age Hollywood composer. But what's cool is that you brought, you still brought it into our modern era. Right. Well, see, that was sort of the idea is like, I I wanted to find a way to, because I think one of the criticisms, I mean, I think there's a lot of criticisms that you could say about some modern music or modern film music, uh, partially that it's very, um, not contrapuntally interesting, but for me, one of the biggest drawbacks is actually that of uh, the harmonic language being very sort of like basic or almost like rock influenced. And so I was wondering, was there a way to kind of... Or sometimes electronic music influence, like repeated ostinato. But see, I I, I wanted to find a way to get uh, richer, more symphonic type harmonies, but in a package that feels sort of modern and ostinato driven yeah what's so great about this piece is uh it's sort of taking you back in time um harmonically and melodically like like you're saying will and i think uh what happens so often at least my feeling most of the time uh for whether it's pieces of music or any kind of piece of popular art that's trying to take us back it's usually working kind of from the outside in which sort of makes sense so it's nailing the the right sound and maybe some of the production style um but like you're saying, Will, I end up really missing this. For, for me, what's the soul and the spirit of this right. music, which is really the harmonic world that it lives in. And it's so exciting to hear this. It reminds me of Bernard Herrmann. It kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, Miklos Roja's Hitchcock score for Spellbound. Uh, and it's, sure. yeah, it's exciting hearing this combination because it that actually final, doesn't really happen. But that final section also reminds me of Star Trek, too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm I saying? That, like it, that that's why it's crazy. It's like, there. what era is this? It's like, it's just like, it's every era. Well, well the, I would love the, to hear the, the arrangement, like a... the orchestration is very kind of, uh, not cliche, but sort of what you'd come to expect with modern film music where it's driven by basses and cellos into right. sure. ostinato and you have the theme kind of in the horns that's uh, a little bit, you know, quarter notes, whole notes. Well, this is exciting. We're going to move on to a track of Marty's. Marty, can you set this up uh, for us? We're going to play a piece of music that is pretty near and dear to all of our hearts. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Through the past, boy, I guess it would almost be two years two now. Two years. Uh, we've mentioned on the show uh, quite a bit uh, Fireflower, which was an original musical uh, that I wrote and directed and that Will and Carl uh, starred in um, and co-produced and... Uh, it was a real labor of love for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We performed it for the Minnesota Fringe Festival in 2014. Ever since that time, I uh, have been a little bit uh, slow in making it happen because uh, there have been a few sort of behind-the-scenes hurdles. But uh, we've yet to really release a proper soundtrack for mm-hmm. the musical. Um, so I am finally uh, have the ability to work on some of that in earnest. So this is a song from the show uh, called Sunnyside. Uh 
sort of the main character and his first uh, his first friend, his sort of grumpy Goombo-like friend, who played by Carl, played <laughs> played by Carl, and they enter this uh, village, and they're warned of the dangers of the the native creatures of this village, who are called the Mushis. And finally, they emerge from out of the bushes, and this is the song they sing, which is actually welcoming uh, the heroes uh, to their village, which is called Sunnyside. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Sunnyside from Fireflower. If you couldn't tell by those lyrics, oh man, that just brings it all back to me. We had to hear the song so many times because, um, you know, when this song happens, there's like a choreographed dance that all the Mushis do. Right. So there's a lot of work with that. Um, and then it's funny because to me, like, the song is so great, but my character hates it. <laughs> so for me, like, right. part of me is like, ooh, I hate this. <laughs> You know, just because, you know. (laughs) Well, I have sort of a a different experience uh, because one of my roles with Fireflower was helping to create the underscore, all that 8-bit music. All the arrangements um, were, for the most part, all written out uh, by hand by Marty. Like, he would actually notate what was to be done. So, when when you hear this, you're like, oh, my God, I'm stressed out. You start sweating. Well, no, I'm just, I'm kind of proud of it. This was the first uh, track that I I got to work on because the first couple uh, bits, like the very beginning, beginning of the show uh, was all stuff that Marty had completed and so mm-hmm. Sunnyside was the first track that uh, I worked on and I have some I have I mean I have so many fond memories with well and it's Fireflower. sort of a proof yeah. of concept of the of really the idea of this show which is uh, could you have a classic Broadway style or sort of Wizard of Oz style musical that's uh, propped up by an like essentially a Nintendo band. A well, Nintendo it turns out orchestra. you can't because we were shut down by Nintendo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was it was just a magical experience for yeah. everyone. And as of as of this recording now, um, we still aren't aware of any other uh, any other shows that have attempted a uh, yeah eight bit underscore an eight bit underscore. Um, so it would be nice sometime in the future to uh, to find a way to to stage the show again. So yeah, you guys can oh, yeah. find Fireflower on YouTube or you should head over to Marty's website martybmusic.com and there you can find uh, Fireflower along with all of his original music. Fun stuff. Let's keep the fun going. Uh, keep the happy vibes going. So we're going to play a track of mine next. This was kind of my nod tip of the cap to one of my favorite composers, Yasuki Yasui. I think I may have showed Marty this uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe briefly, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's a FM, like a Genesis chiptune that I made, kind of inspired by his work on A Mamara Has Been Cursed. We one of the, one of those tracks we actually play live in the Mercado band, Bless and you boy. it's yeah. it's just the most fun. His music is so happy, and it's this great kind of mix of pop and jazz fusion, uh, and you know the video game tradition. So it was just my you know kind of uh, maybe twisted take uh, some of those influences. This is Downforce. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
you guys are listening to Downforce, which is an original Genesis um, FM chiptune that I composed a couple months back. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. I did upload this to my YouTube channel, but um, yeah, I don't know why, but I took a lot more time on this track than I usually do. I think it's because I was listening to that soundtrack, Mamaru Husband Curse, and I was like, eh, it's not good enough. Like, I, I just had, like really high maybe uh like standards of what i wanted to get and i'm happy i did that because i'm i'm kind of that's proud of how it how it turned out you know what's great though carl is like i'm by no means i would call myself like an expert on yusuke yusue or even that particular score but if i hadn't been told that you wrote this and we were doing like a blindfolded test that would be my first guess i mean you really nailed oh, i had the same man. thought too uh, oh, that sound it, there's a lot of things about that music that are I think very specific and I only start to realize them now hearing your your track which is that there's a very specific and sometimes unexpected sense of harmony mm -hmm. I mean, we talk oh, about yeah. how jazz yeah. harmony permeates a lot of video game music but there's certain moves that you do here that feel unexpected it's in the same surprise. way yeah. that that music does and I think your right. FM implementation on, is on the nose and even just uh, the rhythms in the melodies they yeah. they can they almost feel like they're from that same mind I, I, I would love if uh, you should show them this to, I, I actually uh, should. Yeah, that's not yeah, a bad totally. idea. Because you've worked up a bit of a correspondence. That's right? true. Yeah, you know, something funny as far as, you know, talking about Yusuke Yasui and maybe just hearing that, there actually is a comment on this track um, on YouTube that someone said, and it said, uh, this person, Greyberg Javelin, reminiscent of Yusuke Yasui's work in some parts. Oh, that's so cool! Without and, without uh -huh. any any sort of hint. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, he's. I mean, he's a great composer. So. I guess I have to take that as a compliment. Oh, that's hopefully. great. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and once again, in this track, uh, uh, it should be said just how impeccable all of the um, accompanying details are. Oh, thanks. Um, and it, again, I sort of, I, I sort of end up seeing a lot of those as, as sort of sonic, sonic kind of gestures. And but I guess it's really it's in all of the sort of rich FM music. And, and um, I guess if I'm really honest with myself, I think that maybe is what I'm the best at. Is mm. is actually those as opposed to maybe well, it's really a, it's a rare it well, it's really is a rare skill. It's I think. important for establishing groove and having mm -hmm. all the pieces work together. Uh, yeah, I would right. definitely say that's one of your skills is being able to kind of create a really working machine to create an accompaniment that's mm -hmm. filling in the gaps of the groove. Well, and that's why it was so fun with together. those projects we did, where I would do that as a bed, and then you would make a chip tune melody on top of it. Right. And it was one of the reasons What's why it was funny fun. is our and we can talk about this when we play our music but mm -hmm. i feel like our process has changed where we used to do things completely separate yeah and now we actually write all the tracks together in real time sure so like we'll be coming up with ideas together in the room where i think we used to be sort of afraid of that. i like this new method but all right well i think we're going to move on to a really interesting track of yours that was written for another podcast yeah okay so this is sort of a, a fun thing to talk about i don't know if we've played any of these before but um no We've definitely mentioned uh, Jake and Amir in the podcast, If I Were You, before on this show, because I think for both Carl and myself, it happens to be our favorite podcast to listen to. It it's is. a comedy uh, advice show starring uh, Jake and Amir, who you may have heard they used to do videos on collegehumor.com. But anyways, it, it's just a really fun show. And one of their little uh, gimmicks is that for every episode, they have fans submitted uh, original theme music. And Carl and I have been lucky to have 
have uh, music played on uh, three separate occasions. So for uh, this theme, I thought it would be cool since we always submit music under the moniker Super Mercado Brothers. It would be fun to do something that had a distinct uh, video game quality. So I thought of the idea of um, creating kind of an 8-bit backing track. I actually used mm-hmm. all the VRC6 channels on the NES and I tried to make kind of an old school vaudeville type tune. theme song like I wanted to do something almost like Tiny Toon Adventures or something yeah. that felt like it was evoking that like 1930s I love the song man I was um, so impressed yeah and so um, I wrote the song and I did the the backing track and then Carl and I both recorded the in the way the song works is it's sort of and what I feel like is also part of that tradition is it's sort of like a duet where we're back switching off um, so yeah me and Will take you know go back and forth with the vocals on this so yeah this is uh, a theme song we wrote for If I Were You, let's take a listen. If you need a consultation and got hours to burn, then listen to If I Were You show. And every situation where you don't know where to turn, just listen to If I Were You show. They'll answer all your questions with stupid advice. They'll tell you just what they would do. And they'll preserve your dignity by keeping anonymity. So listen to if I were you. Listen to if I were you. That is so wonderful. I may have misspoken. We didn't write this. Will wrote this. We submitted this. But it's still, yeah, it's still under the Super Mario Kart. The, what's fun yes. about this is the first ah, one, so beautiful, guys. the first one that we did, uh, Carl sort of came up with the backing track and I wrote the yeah, uh, melody fun. and words on top of it. The second one, Carl wrote all by himself mm-hmm. and I recorded harmonies and this was, so it's, it's sort of fun whenever we, we do those, but I was just really happy with... Um, uh, coming up and writing the song because I felt like I was sort of exercising some of my Koji Kondo Mario and credits uh, chops um, and I also included there Carl I don't know if you want to just play a little bit of the NES mm-hmm. only sure. version because one of the real pleasures I had in making this was I wanted to make an NES backing track that really sounded like a big band so it's type of writing that I don't think I would do in a normal chip tune. Oh yeah. But why don't we take a little bit of a listen to it? But yeah, so I just sort of had fun uh, doing a lot of instrument switching and, and really trying to think of the different channels as instruments. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have that, which I'm sort of thinking is like a bluesy jazz piano. Well, and then I you think have moments was, that sound like a sax solo. If you remember, right. what was really fun is when when they heard it. You know, Jake and Demir are, and I think the guests they had, they're by no means. I actually, it was Daily Grace of oh, her right, YouTube. Right, She's right. a really popular YouTuber. She was the guest on that show. So when they heard it, they were like, oh, that's really cool. And I think Jake was like, yeah, it's like an 8-bit theme song. He, he said like, it sounds like they sang over a Mario song. <laughs> yeah, which is like, oh, that's... Well, that's I what I'll I was... That's what Take I was that as a compliment again. Going for. Which is great, and I, I think it's clear when we're uh, just now listening to the uh, the NES backing track on its own is uh, it's, it's doing something that we've talked about a lot in the show, which mm-hmm. is um, actually tapping into the origin of an influence so it's not it's not trying to necessarily imitate in this case Koji Kondo but it's trying to tap into what is what are those what's that sea of influence for Koji Kondo and it's actually really taking things further um, 
further, Which is in further actually, detail isn't that ironic? That sort of vaudeville show tunes. Well, I think what's world. ironic about that is we're going further back in time, but it almost makes it feel more modern in a video oh, sure. game context, which is weird. Well, because I think we're too, going it's further. like the uh, the NES tracking here is really bold and mm-hmm. is kind of going places that. I'm not really aware of any actual Nintendo. Well, I just I've had sure. a lot of experience with the Fire Flower and with different projects of kind of like, I I my goal with doing uh eight bit tracking is like I kind of want to make the uh, NES sound like it's impersonating real instruments rather than mm-hmm. accentuating sort of the digital nature of I it. I think a lot of those composers probably had that same thing back in the day, right? Um, that they wanted to do. All right, we're going to play a couple tracks here from our game that we've been working on music on and off for a few years, uh, Asker, A-S-K-R, which is a Norse-themed Viking kind of 16-bit side-scroller that we've had a wonderful time working on the music. It's been very kind of sporadic, you know. Uh, months would go by without anything, and then we'll get another email, and he'll say, oh, we need, I need another the next batch of songs, and then we'd work on those. And yeah, it's been an interesting challenge because of sort of the long development cycle of independent games is that uh, as much as we're changing and our influences are changing, yeah. we need to keep we the need to music keep it cohesive. Uh, focused and consistent, even though and it's being so written we've, over a long uh, period in of In various time. Uh, original showcases, uh, we've shared tracks from this before, so hopefully you guys, if, you know, if you've heard those episodes, you might have an understanding of the tone of this game. Let's, uh, let's play a track that we haven't shared so far, a later stage. This is Arcadia Forest from Asker. <laughs> This is Arcadia Forest from Asker, which is a TBD, TB released, um, <laughs> to be released uh, Viking side scrolling game. I can't wait for this to come out. Yeah, yeah it can't come out soon enough. It's wow. crazy how long we've been working on this on and off. Um, this track I'm really happy with how this one turned out. Uh, I think the music is, is good underneath it, um, but I think that the implementation, uh, I think we, I think for this one, really wanted to make sure that we had enough FM stuff happening. So the bass, uh, I think, is taken from a... Shin- it's, it's the same settings as a, a Shinobi game, I believe, for the Genesis. Either ah. Revenge of Shinobi or one of the other ones. Oh, I can um, picture that. Yeah. It's kind of just that classic, slappy Genesis Some song. context for the level, uh, Carl mentioned it's called Arcadia Forest, and uh, the final boss of the level is Pan. So uh, some of the ideas were to kind of have the idea of a pan flute, 
involved. And one of the notes the developer gave is I think they wanted like tambourine and pan flute. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we, we wanted to sort of evoke the feelings of the forest. In contrast with some of the other stage themes, this one is the most different. I mean, all the other ones had been in sort of a minor mode and we're trying yeah, to this evoke one's very Norse different. or like classical sounds. Yeah, and this one was different, but I think... Uh, we we tried to lean on as much other sort of video game influence as possible. Uh, we're actually the next track we're gonna play is also from Asker, and yeah. it's the boss theme that we mentioned. And the reason we're playing these back to back is because one of the things that we do in these games is that the boss themes are made using musical material from uh, the stage, and but that just was done a, in more of a an idea context. that we luckily both loved not only did will and i love that idea he separately also loved that idea and so when he w- was even hinting that we we're like yes yes we would love to do that we'd love yeah. to hearken back that's to probably been themes. one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. making this soundtrack is also it's like it's sort of a challenge for us because every boss theme we write i feel like just gets more epic and more exciting right and we're, we have this fear in the back of our heads of we don't want to like jump the shark too know, early know, but yeah. it just makes it more of a pressure All right, so yeah let's take a listen to this stage's boss theme uh the fight with pan this this is Arcadia Force Boss. guys are listening to the arcadia forest boss the fight with pan this was such a blast to make this track um i don't know if you guys heard that last section there before it looped it's it's like a really prog like progressive rock kind of just it's straight out prog meter changes um and that was one of my things i really i was like will can is it cool if we have one of the sections like really prog that was actually the first thing you you had already written that when we started Mm -hmm. uh working on it um and sort of yeah, I remember I, I sort of handled more of like how we're going to reharmonize things and change the melody and sure. everything. Um, but yeah, this, this was a really well, there's fun There's something really fitting about that prog influence for a boss track. Yeah, yeah something actually, like Yoshi's Island. Uh, yeah, I feel like we end up seeing that side of a lot of uh, great Japanese video game composers when, you know, when the boss rolls this around. This is one of my I, personal favorite times of taking something that was cool in a the stage theme, and this feels like the definitive version. Right. Well, I've got to say, guys, I'm just so enamored with both of these tracks uh, thanks man and I I, I I think it's actually a very kind of subtle adaptation of of some of the material from the first track that's in that's in this boss piece here which I which I really appreciate but I've got to say uh, we really move from section to section um, 
in an incredibly surprising and satisfying way. It's just uh, in that first track, um, after you pass through the intro and then you mm-hmm. get to that sort of like halftime groovy section, yeah. I just people are going to drop their phones. Well, so, let's move on. I mean, that, that might be a problem, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely time to move on to a Marty track. So we're going to play a track of yours. Uh, can you set this one up? What are we What are we playing right now, Marty? Oh sure. Uh, this is actually uh, a piece that I wrote um, for a um, Arabic language drama TV show. Oh, this is amazing. So there's uh, the production company for this particular uh, TV show. Uh, they're based out of Dubai. Um, they were sort of they were sort of making a call out to a few different um, music libraries, including the library that I write for. And so uh, I pitched a demo. Um, and they were actually uh, really interested in it. So ultimately, it came down to uh, me and another composer, and um, they did end up uh, going with the other composer. Um, I I think my approach may have been a little bit more on the sort of classic sort of side than than what I than what it sounds like they may have been looking for. But uh, I was really grateful for the opportunity to uh, kind of work through this particular piece of music. So. Let's take a listen. This is called Shadows. So Marty, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there any point where you offered like a different arrangement, like something with piano, with this track, or was it always orchestral? Uh, so uh, originally, what I did when pitching for it, I made a complete uh, version of the piece. There is actually a, an animatic storyboard that they provided. Mm-hmm. So I made a piano demo that oh, okay. covers that demo, entire sure. that covered that entire animatic. And then I sort of mocked up the early portion of it, and uh, then it, there was a there was a process of going through some uh, some demoing back and forth. Will actually was uh, able to help me out with that um, mm-hmm. sequence uh, sequencing some of the piano part that I that I needed to mock up in the demo. And at the time, I didn't really have the, so the when, piano instrument. That when this track isn't selected, are you able to use it going forward for something or not? Um, this, this is something that, um, my music library will have. Oh, okay. So it could be used for something in the future. Hopefully so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. One thing that I, I noticed is cause you did actually make multiple different versions. And one thing I like about this particular arrangement is you've kind of combined things. The original right. version had that solo cello and then they said that they didn't want cello. So then we sort of had to redo it with full strings. And what I like about the version you presented here, it's kind of, it's like a more full length presentation, but you sort of get the highlights 
of all the best versions you get a little bit of that piano at the end you get to start with the cello you have the sort of octave string lyrical as sort of the second um, incarnation sure, sure. of the theme um, and yeah, I think there, that works there, nicely it was, a, it was an interesting process and there was a little bit of uh, communication barrier um, the initial brief that I had seemed to suggest that that uh, the cello would be would be really ideal and then um, after working with them it, it turned out that the cello was not something that they wanted so it's it's it was but it's jello they actually wanted jello <laughs> yeah they wanted green jello molds um but no it was yeah great experience and um, wonderful yeah, fortunate music, to man. have worked on this so, yeah, one of my favorite so things about i mean i think that so that melody is absolutely phenomenal i obsessed over that when oh, you thanks. first wrote it but one of my favorite things about this arrangement is just the way it it starts off it mm -hmm. gives you that sense of momentum and energy the, dun, 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 the just what's uh set up really creates a mood it's really perfect for a television so show exciting. and i love the use of celeste and harp that's just sort of tucked in there it, it really creates oh, a larger sense of atmosphere um, even before that uh, theme comes in. Yeah, I think that uh, the opening was really, and the overall aesthetic was influenced by, uh, by say, the score to Downton Abbey, which mm -hmm. I, sort of from a distance... Uh, or even like seems, Sherlock or seems, something. Right, they sort of seem to suggest like the period, but yeah. um, they're really achieving that with more sort of modern That's so devices. cool. Well, you know something fun? We're going to move to a track of mine, and uh, I realized like just now that we all have new... 8-bit chiptunes to share today. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, and for some reason, I wasn't tracking it. So I made this track... Tracking it? You also weren't tracking. I wasn't tracking you, this you one. I made this one with chip sounds. Um, I made Which this a great uh, less than a week ago. I think five days ago, six days ago, I think. Oh, cool. Um, this is called Endless Horizon. It's a it's an 8-bit chiptune that I made. Um, trying to think of inspiration that I had with this one. Uh, Flashy Goodness is definitely someone I'm oh, a nice. big fan of. You, you remember uh, right, we've played right. his, his work before. I'm not sure how much influence particularly from him was on this, but um, yeah, I made a track about a year ago called Bated Breath that I was really happy with. And so I think when I was writing this, I kind of wanted to, as if that and this could exist in a world together on oh, some great. game. So yeah, this is uh, Endless Horizon. I hope you guys enjoy.
I had a blast making this. This is oh, endless, so cool. endless horizon. Oh man, it, it would. I love uh, hearing um, some of what I would, I guess, describe as your FM sensibilities mm-hmm. in this kind of eight-bit or I guess expanded eight-bit context sure. with the VRC six. I think you're um, totally right. Yeah, real. Yeah, really, uh, really exciting getting getting some of that more extended jazzier yeah you're totally right i guess i didn't think about that i never thought that like okay i'm making an 8-bit tune but i'm using full fleshed like major seventh chords and so yeah i guess i well, was even thinking more of vrc6 because in mm-hmm. like actual in like when people do chip tunes it's yeah. usually you have melody and bass and maybe a harmony line mm-hmm. and even with vrc6 sometimes it's more about color but with right. here it's like you have actual voice like piano so that kind of maybe chords. reminds me more of like chip tuners modern chip tuners nowadays a lot of times they'll do things like this sure you know? sure and I, I think that's one of the things that uh that i really love about this piece is it it's not it's not exactly a museum piece or it's not mm-hmm. it's not sort of a historical exploration That's definitely true. Um, it's taking these tools um, that are available to us and it's yeah creating new combinations and i think them. one thing that i that i enjoyed with this is i always like the idea of kind of having a defense for why the nes sound chip or 8-bit sound chips in general are valid and they're actually expressive in and of themselves sure um sure. and i will say that i think if i were to resequence this with maybe quote you know modern sounding synths or whatever i do think something would be lost i think there's, there's a charm there's a charm uh, i think it's yeah. hard for us we're all biased because we grew up playing 8-bit games so I, I don't think we're completely you know it's hard for us to say intrinsically those sounds but right. I definitely agree Carl I feel like there is a, a charm there that um, is sort of uh unmatched the, the other thing that i think is interesting that this reminds me of it also reminds me of yusuke yusui uh oh, in the sense that there are chords because honestly like w- when mm-hmm. i think of some of the nes music i've written there's not always like chords it's like yeah. all that's being articulated it's more are the notes writing. that are there but when i think of uh yusui's writing it feels it's video pop, gamey, but song, yeah, the yeah, idea exactly. is that you can write out a chord sheet and it's like, these are the specific totally chords right, and man. they need to be voiced this way. It's funny. I, I would be curious if going forward, if Yusuke's influence um, kind of looms large for me for some reason. I just, he's one of my favorites. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, Will, I think it's time to move on to a track of yours. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, this might be one of the first times we're playing uh a piece that I uh, written as part of an assignment uh, for school. Actually, uh, this past semester, I just finished up taking a class called Form and Analysis, where mm. we studied a lot of classical forms, like the sonata and rondo, theme and variations, things of that nature. Before, I've studied fugues, and you know, I've been taking composition classes for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, but the assignment was really to write a movement of your choice in one of those forms, and I was really enamored. Uh, we studied a lot of Haydn's music and studied a lot of his sonatas and I was so enamored by learning about that form I really wanted to make a sonata movement and I really wanted to take it as an opportunity to similarly how we've done musical tributes to Metroid or Kirby or Sonic or Mario Mm -hmm. I really wanted to fully embrace the traditions of the 18th century and to write in like a Mozartian or a Haydn kind of style so this is a
we're listening to Sonata in F major. This is a piece that uh, I wrote sort of meant to be a celebration of the music of the 18th century. This is incredibly on the nose. I don't know what's more impressive, like some of the stuff you've done that, you know, models Koji Kondo or <laughs> modeling Mozart. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is it's just mind-boggling how on the nose well, this Well, I know is. what my parents like would to say to that. A classic sonata. Uh, I think definitely mom and dad would find this more impressive, but the Koji Kondo stuff is definitely much more near and dear to my heart. What I love so much about this piece, and I think I may have shared this with you, Will, when you first uh, played it for me, is uh, that I actually feel that this taps into uh, you as a person and that this is really genu- a genuine form of your own personal expression. Ever since you were a little kid, um, for whatever reason, uh, early classical music, late Baroque period music, seemed to somehow that's true somehow to sort of be your language it did have a big effect it, on me i think it, when i was it, younger so uh what i love about this is definitely that, more than it did for me <laughs> like carl like said no it, it's, me. it's so spot on that it's almost chilling really yeah um but e- even even um even more profound than that for me is that it really is you uh and i think it's ex- it's exciting for all of us to be reminded that there's more that can be said in so many different genres yes. and forms yeah. of communication yeah no that is the thing that i found and that to the, be the most... story isn't the story isn't over well that's what i found to be most exhilarating about this it was so fun to um imagine like this is a piece that i could go back in time and i don't know what those composers back then would think of it but it's written in a form that they would find accessible and in a harmonic language that they could identify with and so it's like this is really the first piece I've written that I could I feel like I could go back in a time machine and I could get composition lessons from a great Mm -hmm. composing master and they wouldn't be like talking about things outside of their era sure that's a fun man that's a fun but thing to think about I, I, I really agree with you the thing that's so cool about it and what's inspiring is oftentimes as a composer you feel like fear of every great melody has been written every great piece of music like what is there left to discover but then when you realize oh you can go back to pre-existing forms and you can still have an endless lifetime of uh inspiration just in that once again it comes down to the to the idea of limitations are a wonderful thing well and that's that's this is all at the heart of uh what really drew us all to video game music originally, which is that it was this almost second coming, this renaissance of forms of music that right. that had really been, I think, Traditions. sort of written off by and large. Right. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm really excited to move on to Martin's next track. If I'm not mistaken, this is your chiptune that you brought in for us today? Yeah, this is. This is actually um, a piece from a game that I'm imagining in my head uh, called Robo Girl. Oh, this is someone's got to make it. This is stage one, and I actually envisioned this piece uh, in more of a Game Boy sort of context. Sure. Uh, and I'm trying out this new uh, tracker uh, where I can actually program uh, Game Boy music. So uh, I started by sequencing the thing in the Game Boy, and ultimately didn't quite have the bite that I was looking for in the drums, so I also sequenced uh, the drums uh, on in NES Tracker uh, with samples and noise channel, and this is sort of a melding of the two. Anyways, this is this is uh, RoboGirl's theme. It's hopefully capturing her heroism um, <laughs> in a way and that's just really perfect, her energy though, and her, because her drive. What you sort of talked about with this is it's about capturing your idea of that period and yeah. combining at 
at Game Boy and NES, it, that's what it does. It's sort of like our image right. so it's, it's, of our memory. Uh, it owes so much to Mega Man, but uh, it's really hopefully celebrating the hero more than um, than the villain that she's sort of squaring off against. Let's take a listen. That is so badass. That last section, oh, there was there was one measure where the drums went double time, right? right and right, then it went right. back. Ooh, that was up my alley for oh, sure. Cool. Yeah, this is so rad. I love the combination of Game Boy um, kind of tones and then NES drums. Like the Game Boy is so much more rad than the NES would have been for this song because you get the panning, you get the, right. that different like kind of wave kind of sound, and the uh, you have a lot less control actually over the pulse channels in some ways than. Mm-hmm. Um, than, than the Nintendo and then which in, gives in, them more character because right. it sounds more reminiscent and then in other of ways there are heard. parameters you can control that you can't can't control in exactly the same way in the Nintendo but dude uh, this is so killer oh thanks yeah thanks. I think it, it's a great like sort of character theme it is very heroic and Mega Man-y and I, I just love um, I don't know I really love when there's a great uh, principal motif or sequence of notes that sort of carries you through to the end. And here we have bum, 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 bum. And then even in the B section, that same sort of nugget is used in the sequence. Sort of a different line. Hopefully yeah. that inspires someone to make this game RoboGirl. This, uh, this is so <laughs> rad. Oh, I love that. Yeah, there are a few other pieces of music that that would work sort of in that oh, world. Man. Sure. Yeah, next original showcase, you got to do another one. Oh, we kind of dropped the bomb. Remember, well, remember last original showcase, we both did... Um, an SNES tune. Mm-hmm. We thought about the idea of every single showcase adding another. We forgot to do that this time, but next time we should do that. Let's both add another um, Super to Nintendo that. Track? What was that That little... In Days of Old. In Days of Old. Let's just do that, and then Marty, your job is to give us another Robo-Girl robo stage. That sounds great. All right, let's move on to a track of mine. I'm going to play one track today from Back in Orbit. This is the album that I released this summer. Uh, this was released the same day as Axiom. And it was so fun because Will released this album of orchestral chamber music and I released an album of like funk fusion synth music. And there's something about that like perfectly represents like our personalities or like our musical styles. I really liked that our albums were so different. Um, This is a track that it was one of the earliest ones that I uh, worked on for the album. I remember showing this to Will um, on the, our old uh, home computer downstairs a long time ago. This is New Elysis.
You guys are listening to New Elysis, which was track two on my album, Back in Orbit. I had a fun time. This is my second favorite track on that my favorite is back <laughs> in orbit track. the yeah. one if you guys you it's so catchy you probably actually, remember it i think i agree <laughs> i think i agree with you well i think this is those two are my this favorite one too. is amazing i like the again this almost has like a film noir hey will i have of, a question oh, for yeah, you um absolutely. is there a game that this reminds you of sonic the, mega the vibe? collection no uh, oh it's not Sonic Mega I'll, I'll accept two. I'll accept two answers. And maybe this is totally off, but for some reason, I kind of thought about it a little bit when I was making it. Um, I would say, what's that game series uh, with all the... Um, Diablo 2? The, no, there's those games... <laughs> Command and Conquer. That game series that's supposed to be... Super Mario uh, Brothers? Um, what do they call it? Cyberpunk. It sounds no. like some well, cyberpunk Time game. Splitters 2. Oh, I can it reminds me of totally Graham Norgate. That. It just reminds oh, me of Graham. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. It reminds totally. me of like Perfect Dark. And I didn't realize splitters. that until after I was like working on the production. And then I think there was a couple since I like purposely was like, "What would Graham do?" And then I like, I wow, feel like this could I, even I be feel a, dumb some sort of menu theme. Mm-hmm. In one of those See, I thought it reminded too. me of Sonic Mega Collection. Um, That's so funny. Just because I love that this section here is Will's favorite part. Well, I think my favorite part. I love the feel of it too. It's just so the principal theme. I love that. The main. So the main riff I wrote on the piano as soon as I moved to the place that I'm currently living in like well over a year ago I think yeah a year and a half ago ish um, yeah so I wrote that part on the piano and then eventually I took it upstairs and started to and the name of this track I was telling this to Marty but the name of this track is New Elysis and it might sound cool and creative but it's not I was borrowing an Elysis synthesizer and so literally New Elysis everything you're hearing here was done on that um, I think it was a Micron and now you've made sure that synth. people won't think you're cool which is, <laughs> it's always a smart move yes yeah. <laughs> alright that's a great one Thank Dude, you very yeah, much. Maybe my that. favorite love of the day. Love that track. We're going to move on to a track of Will's. Oh, gosh. So uh, this is something that was written um, for a film score that I did last spring. Um, the, we're going to be just playing sort of two tracks as if they're one, uh, but the film was called Balance. Um, and so the two tracks are Balance Day 1 and Day 2. And essentially what it is, it's sort of a cartoon. The film was done in stop motion, but with like real... Actor. So there was this girl um, sort of going about her day, but it was done in like a stop motion style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of exaggerated and cartoonish. And so the music was meant to be taken very seriously, but sort of accentuate the comedy of like the different iterations because she's going through the same day once in sort of an incorrect way in once in a correct way. And Uh, so the first half of the music is meant to be very tragic. And I want to do this longing kind of string Mm -hmm. uh, theme. And uh, the second day is more like pomp and circumstance. It's very academic and rousing. And that's the part that feels more like video game music. So if this was a Soyo Oka SimCity soundtrack, it would be, Good evaluation, bad evaluation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it uses nice. sort of this, like that, I mean, it uses sort of the same general um, melodic nugget just in two contrasting versions. Yep. The first one sounds much more classical, and the second one, to me, sounds like Mario Galaxy or something. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun working on all those uh, film scores last year, so let's take a listen to Balance.
I was just telling to Will and Marty, this is so Soyo Oka-esque. And Marty had a happy slash sad thought. If only Soyo Oka could work on the Mario Galaxy game. Yeah, if it were Mahito Yokota Koji and Soyo Okay, let's not get sidetracked. Will, this, this is this is beautiful, man. Yeah, I mean both both selections here. Uh, Good and, evaluation and bad evaluation. Well, and Will was mentioning while we were uh, while we were listening um, that there really wasn't much time available to to really finish Which this. Which is why piece. it's so it's so, so strange really heavy coming from your kind of core elements. instincts. Well, particularly and, and this I just, day two. I just love the day, I just love hearing the day that. two theme is could could fit you could put it into Mario Galaxy. It would be right at home. It also does remind me of Soyooka's work. You know, when we were doing that Soyooka episode, how many times did we bring up pomp and circumstance? Like right. four or five sure. times. And this is would be another you know example of that. It has that kind of triumphant regal quality, right. and the tempo is a good march tempo, walking down the aisle. It feels almost like the semester's over. Yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah exactly. It it's actually that, about or a girl. credits Mario emotion. That it's I know about is really a girl going through college and how uh, it's important to accept help. And how to sort of succeed over challenges. And the first sure. part is has this like black and white, you know, she's struggling, tripping over like textbooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's sort of exaggerated. And the second one, I wanted it to sound like graduation music because she's just sort of marching towards success. And at the end, there's sort of text on the screen about whatever moral lesson was supposed to well, happen. Well, I'm very oh, curious. I'd love, to see, I'd love uh, to see that. I'm a curious cat over here on this next track we're going to play of Marty's. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a piece that uh, I'm both really excited uh, about and almost sort of haunted by. It's just, uh, it's consumed a lot of my time lately, and I'm uh, really uh, grateful to be working on it. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of an experimental project. Um, So this past summer, um, I was fortunate enough to participate in a workshop outside of Vienna called the Hollywood Film Music Workshop. I sort of came away from that session with a lot of ideas on a scoring sense in general. Of yeah, and really an excitement for um, for really scoring narrative, and it actually coincided with the release of Stranger Things. On yeah, I remember Netflix. while you were in Vienna, I we would have phone calls, and I'd be like, Marty, you, you got to oh, watch this show. This show. You would love it. And I suppose, like a lot of us, I really loved the show uh, Stranger Things. I also really loved the music, particularly the opening mm-hmm. title. Yeah, it's um, classic. But uh, Conrad Pope had actually shared this very interesting article that was talking about the score for Stranger Things and how really it's one of the only elements that doesn't quite live up to doesn't quite the sort vibe. of yeah fulfill the promise of taking us back to that sort of '80s filmmaking. Well, part of it is because what does that '80s filmmaking mean? It means John Williams, which is I think for a lot of us hard it, to do. That that is that really is part of that is part of the sort of the world that that we see in Stranger Things. At any rate, I. Like I said, I love the music for for, uh, for the show, but I thought it would be a really interesting experiment, uh, a challenge for me personally, uh, to really score a scene from the show um, in that traditional in that, Hollywood in that style. tradition that I really grew up loving, the tradition of John Williams and Jerry Marty, Goldsmith and Bruce Why don't you set Sprout. the scene for those that have seen Stranger Things and those that uh, haven't? What scene is this? So this is actually the opening of the second to last episode of the show. Uh, it opens and we see uh, Dustin looking out the window. He's at Mike's house. A set of vans. Yeah, is an ominous cre- entity and, approaches. Uh, sort of creepy unmarked vans are parking outside of the house. And so so uh, what I've done in this clip here is we'll actually hear the dialogue uh, of the scene just before I sort of enter in with the musical cue. So enjoy this sort of rescoring of a scene from Stranger Things. We need to leave. 
right now. Michael! If anyone asks where I am, I've left the country. What? Dude, that's excellent. Dude, that 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 is a lot of fun. Can you walk us through um, maybe what some of the overall kind of bullet points of maybe what happened in the scene that we just heard? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I think probably the primary draw for this particular scene is it actually has kids on bikes. Yeah, it has uh, all of our heroes on bikes biking away from uh, villains in <laughs> vans, um, and. Uh, uh, as much as I do love the music in the actual uh, show, this was this is definitely a moment where I think maybe personally I was wanting to to experience maybe a bit more lift off than than I might than I yeah. might have when actually watching it. Um, well, I mean, this is just this is going to spoil everyone. I mean, this is like Williams territory. This reminds me of like ET, and I'm sure a lot of the oh, things well, that, I know that inspired that was the direct that's, idea. Yeah, that's that's yeah. absolutely what I was. Uh, yeah, striving for and uh, making some of the final touches on on some of the mixing and that sort of thing, and then very sh- soon I'll actually be uh, uploading this on YouTube, so you'll be able That's to awesome. watch it with the with the scene. Um, but yeah, so our heroes are sort of biking biking out of the back door of the house, um, and then they sort of they sort of see our villains. The villains kind of take to the vans, and you heard some of that sort of dark, menacing brass music. Um, they bike away. Uh, as Lucas comes in on Dustin's walkie-talkie, we get the first trace of um, what I sort of call the kids' adventure theme, and that ends up um, kind of popping up a few more times in this particular Well, I think it's queue. an exciting time for film music because I think especially with Rogue One in Michael Giacchino's mm-hmm. sort of uh, writing in the Williams language, I think people are more and more starting to appreciate that, you know, the type of writing that happened in the 80s and 90s special. isn't happening that much mm-hmm. nowadays and there really is something beneficial emotionally to be gained from a writing in that well, style. Well, we all look forward to checking out that YouTube video, well, Marty, and, so. And I have to say, I really I, I wouldn't have been able to um, 
to really uh, work on this or, or really to, to really write this piece without uh, really having had the fortune to, to work and study with yeah. Conrad Pope, who uh, you may know is, uh, had been John Williams' primary orchestrator for many years and also with Joe Kramer, who himself is an incredible admirer of John Williams' score, uh, John Williams' scores and, and also an unbelievably uh, outstanding composer in his own right yeah he's he's a wonderful composer well it feels kind of silly to <laughs> to move on to this after that but how do you really really follow that it's no, yeah let's change really not, let's change not a way tone. to follow it so okay let's change it up completely this is a track of mine um kind of a feel-good funk piece of music i guess i would so say it's just like what marty played exactly the same thing it's just a key it's a half step higher no um this is called take your time uh I could see this in a video game, maybe some sort of game like on the Wii where it's like kind of like maybe some rhythmic aspects to it, but there's like a sense of humor, kind of snarly, kind of silly on purpose. I made this one. Um, Let's take a listen to Take Your Time. listening to Take Your Time, which is a fairly new track of mine. I think I did this week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, Marty was saying that he has some, uh, heard, hears some influence from Wolfpack, which is absolutely true. I've been listening to their new album pretty much on, on repeat. Yeah, you, you frightened me when you found out they were coming to the Twin Cities. I, you sent me a frantic slew of my heart, all caps texts. My heart was racing it's so, so fast. Yeah. We're all going, I think, right? Or I don't know. If Maybe I'm able. Into, I think yeah. that's the plan, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, Volkpeck, one so of my fun. favorites. Yeah, this one was just a lot of fun. I, this is another one where I didn't... I turned off my brain, and I just had fun for a day. But really, the, I've got to say, the, the feel of this whole track is just insanely good. Oh, uh, thanks, also, dude. But there's, what's great is there's a lot of restraint in the sort of, like, soloistic, like, flourishes yeah, of like, sure. everyone right. in the band. And it really feels like... Um, 
everyone in the band is listening to each other, uh, mm. which I think really requires uh, a lot of sort of like care and sensitivity when uh, you're producing you're producing something like this all on your own. See, That's, my imagination yeah, hears something completely different. I don't hear a Wii game. I hear like an adventure game, and this is the theme oh, song like for that. like you. It's like a game where you're a kid, and this is the bullies theme song. Ah. So it's kind of like whenever you have an interaction with them, sure. it's this kind of snarky music, and it's very soloistic and long because you'd be having these long dialogue chains. Um, but that's sort of what my or imagination. Or it's the theme of the cool bus driver who's really fat. Sure, sure. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> All right, I think he's also like the shop owner. He sells you, you know, the weapons to fight the bully. I think for the sake of time, we should move on to Will's new chip tune. I can't wait. I'm really excited about this. So this is a a tradition that I started maybe uh, about a year ago at this point. Uh, I, I just back then I wrote this NES track and rather than just making something on its own I wanted to sort of have fun and imagine it, it was existing in a fake game so I created the this imaginary game called Dr. Acula's Malevolent Manor and the idea is it's this oh, yeah. sort of haunted house game so this is the third entry that I've done in this series of tracks and I just gotta say I have so much fun writing these I do them they're NES chiptunes on Tracker, mm-hmm. but I really love kind of exploring some of the haunted house aesthetics but also um, it's not really celebrating one series in particular there's elements that feel like Mega Man things that feel like Castlevania but really I just uh, I wanted to imagine it is just sort sort of a a brand new so Will, game in the is 8-bit this world. The third showcase that you've done a Dr. Acula track? It is, yeah. Awesome. Um, what do you so call this? I know that uh, Carlos is particularly looking forward to this, so I'm really excited for Carlos. you to hear this, Carlos. Uh, but this is Crypt Creepers Keep from Dr. Acula's Malevolent Manor. Let's take a listen. outdone yourself i absolutely love this little mini soundtrack so far i love this tradition too of every new showcase doing another one but this could also fit in like a sunsoft like gremlins sure. game or something i mean the idea is very spooky and what i really enjoyed in this track is i kind of want to outdo myself every time 
by uh, with the tracking and adding new elements. With this one, mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun trying to make it spooky with different pitch bend oh, and yeah. it's so a great. volume fade. I wanted to make it spooky, but then once you add in the drums and rhythm section, it's still very dancey. I did it one particular effect in the intro. Um, you have the dun 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 dun, but for the drums, it's sort of a beat like yeah, it's really funky. Well, so it's, it's like within the groove, you hear that delay. like yeah, almost like the crash symbol is having this like echo. Hey, to Will, it. is Doctor Acula only going to be original NES? You're never going to do any FDS or any other? I, no, I don't think so. I, I want to keep it um, limited because that's part of the fun of uh, writing these chip tunes is writing these three voice pieces. I think there's so much brilliant music that was written in that style, and I. I really like sticking to those limitations. Well, as I continue to imagine the game, uh, originally I was thinking of it more as like Castlevania, so you're somebody coming into Dracula's castle. But now as I think of it, I think of it as you are Dr. Acula, and this is your mansion sort of run amok. And so this is you kind of like, uh, I, I think it's a little bit more fun and cutesy that way. Well, the doctor is in, absolutely. Um, I've, I've just got to say... Um, Listening to this piece, it's clear that there's so much more that can be explored in the Nintendo hardware. Uh, you know, and I don't know that I that I would have even uh, thought that was the case a year ago. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, Will I think is probably going to be one of the strongest practitioners of this Nintendo tracking. Oh yeah. gosh, uh, we've thanks, talked man. in the past about how a lot of the chiptune community. Um, has a lot of uh, love and talent for the software and for mm -hmm. how the actual sort of tracking works. Um, and then there are also great, you know, musician composers and those aren't always intersecting yeah. those worlds. And it's just, it's such a thrill well, to I be able to different. listen to a piece like this where it, it's just musically so rich um, but it's tracked in a really well. Thanks, man. Way. I think there's different ambitions. I think some people really are inspired by like the Tim Fallon sense of really kind of uh, expanding the boundaries of like the hardware and making it sound super digital and exciting. My whole thing is I really want to give it almost like the personality of an instrument and really to try to right. treat the instruments. And so I have those timpani samples and I really try to think of the drums as a kit and the bass as a bass. And that and also makes this feel like its own game. Right, Having right. the timpani sample r during a section that f musically feels like Mega Man. Or like dancing. It makes yeah. you aware that you're nope, in a haunted house. This isn't Mega yeah, Man. Right, right. You're in Dr. Accio's malevolent manner. It's so clear. <laughs> I can't believe I got you to say malevolent. I'm so <laughs> proud of that. I think you've never said that word in your life. I've Am only I, right? say, I've, I say it once a week on average. <laughs> Oh, I'm feeling so malevolent today. Uh, so, guys, apologize if this episode is a little long. It's actually going to be quite long. We have so much music that we all are passionate about. So, I guess so, that's yeah, we're what halfway through. Let's no, take a no, quick no. break. We have commercial we're break almost done, guys. We're, I promise, we're almost done. I'm going to play a track from Tone Bank. I've only Ooh, played I love it. this album. Thanks, man. I've only played a couple tracks on the podcast from it uh, on original showcases. This is the opening track. Actually, it's called "Down the Tube." If I had to pick one that maybe is my most favorite, this might be it. I, there's something about um, the emotions that this track gives me. It reminds me of my childhood. Uh, and something about it really kind of, to me, captures the essence of that crappy Casio keyboard that we all grew up with um, that I dusted off in the attic uh, last summer and decided to to make this album recorded. Nothing, uh, all the sounds were, are from that Casio. So this one is interesting because it starts off with kind of this distant 
um, kind of pad sounds and there's like a little bit of reverb and it's like, wait, what is this? And then all of a sudden the groove comes in and it's completely dry and you kind of realize, okay, this is the sound the album's going to have. Um, it's kind of setting the stage for, uh, for what, what's going to come. So let's take a listen to Down the Tube. You guys are listening to Down the Tube, track one from Tone Bank, which I released last fall, um, which is original music um, entirely recorded from the same Casio keyboard that we all grew up with. Carl, this is so you. I, I What I love <laughs> no, is this totally. melody is so sweet and charming and vulnerable, but I feel like you personally would only come to it if you have this really good <laughs> groove underneath. Because to you, you're like, oh, I'm still cool. I'm still a cool guy. But then you have this melody where and you're it's just so opening your and heart loving, up yeah. as this sweet little well, child. Let me tell you the process, and maybe does that does that go along with your theory. So the process is I started off with the chords, and I think it was like a F major 7 to G6, and I liked the the slight sadness of the G6, and it was just sure. kind of this really nostalgic vibe progression and then once I laid the bed I wanted I wanted to have a melody that was like very sweet for some There's reason. There's a nostalgia to it. Sure. I mean, the whole yeah. point of that project was recapturing something of your childhood yeah. that was in that instrument, and I think that, yeah, to me, I mean, I have a different association with your music because we all kind of grew up together, and so uh, to me, as soon as I heard this, because I was often, you know, Duluth when you were writing this, so you would send me tracks, but I could just picture you singing this. Like, whenever yeah. I heard this melody, I, I pictured you, you know, like, just like <laughs> singing along to the melody somehow. That's cool, it's, man. it's very, um, it, so much of your personality comes well, through in this project. I think this, this showcases, I think, one of, the, one of your great strengths as a composer and as a melody writer, which is an incredibly high amount of uh, infectiousness in a very short amount of time. Oh, thanks, dude. That's and quite I a actually, compliment. I, th- I, think, I think you have that skill 
in a way that that I'm actually really in in awe of and I don't yeah I don't know anyone personally that quite has that um almost like sort of zen <laughs> zen in the art of jingle uh well i think we right we all we all have our different it would be fine it's like as if the song ended it's like okay that was a great song <laughs> yeah i i you know i i really agree with that marty i think we all have our different uh strengths as composers i will say you've my friend have written plenty of things that function that way, but I know what you're saying. I think with a lot of uh, your melodies, Marty, that tend to do that, sometimes that's a result of polishing in kind of whittling something into sure, this pure sure. essence where with Carl, I get the sense that sometimes the first thing that pops out of his that brain was the first thing that pops is out of like brain, this yeah. intuitive. And again, there's this vulnerability to it. I right, think his right. best melodies come from that place where there's no pretense about it there's yeah. no sense of like trying to be cool and my favorite music of yours is actually not the like minor groovy rock it's like the really cute like cuter sure. than anything i've ever heard major sweet little kid like some of those songs that you've written or like music you wrote in high school like well think you of that, have this ability to hit that, this kind of that primary color phrase thing. to uh to hello world really yeah um it's well I'm wondering Willie I'm wondering Will if if the track from this album nothing to worry about is is kind of what maybe you're talking about as far as far as on this album the one you kind of animal crossing ish one yeah I mean also so cute and invulnerable I love all right I think it's time to move on to a track of wills we're almost done here this is oh a very exciting track that was just recently premiered yeah, so I was asked by my choral director at UMD to write a piece for our Winter Sounds of the Season concert, and uh, I chose to uh, do a setting of The Night Before Christmas uh, for Choir in Piano. It actually took me a long time to write it because the, the text was, I think, a bit meatier than I remembered, and I, I really wanted the piece to be something special because I think people have expectations when it's like a poem that they know. Um, but I'm excited because I think this is the first time I'm sharing on the podcast uh, a choral piece that I've written like and this is a live recording yeah. from Which almost seems uh, hard the to debut believe premiere because it's it's mm-hmm. it's a huge uh, it's a huge component. Yeah, it's of been your a big writing, part of really. uh, my writing. But I think I've always been a little apprehensive on sharing that stuff on the podcast. But I'm I'm excited uh, to share this. It's a long piece, so we probably won't get to hearing all of it. Uh, but I I think and Carl, you remarked on this. There are elements of this where you can hear some video game influence, possibly. Absolutely. So let's take a listen to the night before Christmas.
listening to The Night Before Christmas. And yeah, you're actually hearing uh, my university choir uh, perform this. Will, is this the, the, the recording that the university made? Yeah, I, I did uh, some adjustments to it, added some reverb and uh, from a couple different audio sources, oh, okay. uh, combined stuff. But Really cool. Yeah. And uh, for those of you that are interested in listening to the whole thing, you can find it at my website, williambmusic.com, along with a lot of my other original music. And I actually have um, pretty much all of my original scores. So you can get all the sheet music to this stuff under the scores tab. Uh, There's uh, orchestral music, choral music, piano music. Under the choral tab, you can find The Night Before Christmas. And there's the recording. Also, I have a Facebook page, William Brueggemann, mm-hmm. and then I have the video of this premiere for anybody who's And we'd really invite you in to uh, really dive in and listen to all of the choral music that Will has available on his site. Um, if you're interested in the Mercado Brothers as writers, um, I would say Will's choral voice is really a big a big part of Yeah, and then we, both Marty and myself, as well as some of other uh, the rest of our family, we went uh, up to Duluth to see the this premiere. Um, it was just a wonderful it was, concert. It was, and so, this piece it was so great. Was so this magical. piece is so happy and fun. And one of the things that I'm so proud is that it is video gamey because it's like in the context of a choir concert, it's such a refreshing thing. <laughs> like I mean, just to have like such clear, like catchy melodies that are fun and that make you smile and that I don't know. It's like one thing that I mentioned to Will that I enjoyed about this piece was that it it felt like kind of a first. For, for for this kind of a choral piece because it kind of I don't know Will but something about the way that it, it's constructed and has these ebbs and flows it felt more like the form of film score but it's in the sure. context of well it's actually choir. something that's not uncommon for art songs music that's written to accompany poetry and uh, was hugely a, a part of the romantic era particularly when you think of composers like Schubert or Schumann where they're really right. trying to evoke a story and the music can turn on a dime because it is scoring that I, I think mm-hmm. also my idea with The Night Before Christmas is that it's this European story St. Nicholas is this German figure I wanted to tell the story in a classical way and so there are moments where it feels kind of modal and medieval and Christmassy but then there are those moments of almost like Germanic classical harmony because well, that you, feels like part of the Christmas tradition. To you me could too. potentially make some nice bank off of this because you know obviously everyone knows the story and the lyrics, but to my knowledge, I haven't heard. There are some versions a, of the night piece. before Christmas, but. I think it's sort of a, a common thing amongst choral directors that they're not very artful or mm-hmm. um, liked. And the most it's recent ones are, songs yeah, versions, back in yeah. like the fifties or sixties. They're kind of I older. Think it was a Johnny Marks. So basically, yeah. what I'm saying is, there's room for this piece to yeah, be successful. Yeah, I, I really am gonna look into uh, getting it uh, published because that's mm-hmm. something I, I do have. And some really, hope for. Uh, in the context of this concert, and as Carl said, it was actually a wonderful program. This concert, I would say. Uh, by and large, my impression was my that for most of piece. the audience, yeah. this was a real favorite. Um, so it's I, I also think it that it's pretty rare to experience this amount of sort of narrative entertainment and melodic entertainment. 
with this sort of uh, sophistication in there. Well, writing. thank you so much. I think it's also the luck of uh, a story that is that ubiquitous and known by the public. A lot of choral music, despite how good your diction is, most people aren't really going to understand the words or completely internalize the text of the poem. And right. so you have that luxury with. Well, this I piece. think the last track of the day goes to Marty. What are you, what are we playing for the for the last track here, Marty? Oh, okay. This is actually another library track. Um, it's called Sneaky Sneaky. It should feel fairly straightforward. It's sort of uh, tiptoeing uh, I love in the this house, one. trying not to get caught. But I was kind of imagining that it, it could function in maybe sort of like a reality show. Uh, a lot of times, whether it's uh, sort of a, a group of people in the house or a competition kind of reality show. Uh, There's humorous A lot of times music. the music directors try to program something that's slightly sort of winking. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's a lot of elements of, of John Williams just because it's yeah, great the, writing. The but Home it's Alone also score yeah, is, kind of cartoon, cartoon of heavy. Um, but yeah, so this is Sneaky Sneaky. Please enjoy. Guys, I had a wonderful time today. Thank you, Will and Marty, for for I don't know, really bringing it this original showcase. This was an absolute slamming ball. it home, slamming this is it so home. Fun, guys. Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this really long episode of our original music. We definitely had a blast, so we hope you guys did too. Now, by the time uh, that we're hearing this episode, uh, four hours have passed. <laughs> So, yeah, by the time that you're listening to this, uh, the three of us are actually preparing for our journey to MAGFest. MAGFest. So, yeah, plug time. We we should mention we have two panels that we're presenting this year at MAGFest, not just Did you one. Say two? Two panels. Count them two panels. And it's kind of fun. We're actually taking over panels room one late night on Saturday night. We have two back-to-back panels. The first is at 1030 um, p.m. Saturday night in panels one, which is the really big panels room. And that's going to be the inspirations of video game music, kind of taking a trip through music history, exploring all the various genres that have influenced video game music as we know it. And then at midnight, we're having a little bit more of a uh, kind of zoomed in focus panel on the evolution of the NES. Now, both of these are... um themes that we've actually had entire episodes yes. dedicated to in the past uh, but for those of you that are already going to Megfest you should definitely come yes, check come us out, out. And it's come to fun. Megfest yeah, it's to a great you. if you love games and you love video game music there are so many talented live game bands and there's so many yes. it's it's really fun to be surrounded by people so, that are so of the same ilk in addition to those panels which we are incredibly excited about there's some wonderful guests and artists that are coming this year that we can't wait to see and hang out and talk David with Wise, some namely. wonderful friends that we are excited to see again and if anyone 
someone is a, a listener of our show that is going to MAGFest, we can pretty much guarantee we'll meet up with you, we'll grab a beer. It'll be a really fun weekend. Yeah, so. we've had so much fun uh in the past so we're just looking forward to this becoming more of a tradition now that we're sort of on these panels I yeah, can this see this will be being a third really thing and guys together. I think we all have a goal that next MAGFest maybe we could even play with the Marcado band that's, that would that's, be, that's, that's that the dream be, that oh yeah that's another so thing fun. I want to plug our our videos we recently did sort of a, a little bit more of a professional shoot mm-hmm. for some of the songs that we did at Gamers Rhapsody and that should be going up on YouTube anytime soon so look out for that we're really excited we have some great content more, coming I up. have so much fun with that band uh, our our f- our fourth honorary Marcado brother Jaime we have mm-hmm. to get him on the show sometime because uh, introduce you guys so to, to our fourth uh, honorary bro alright we're gonna play out with the Olympus stage from Asker time to go guys my name is Carl Brueggemann and I'm Will Brueggemann and I'm the brother Marty Brueggemann and one last time uh, supermarcadobrothers.com carlbmusic.com martybmusic.com and williambmusic.com I just wanted to plug all our websites because we have the same gimmick <laughs> we're finally done we're finally we done. promise okay have a great week everybody peace out peace out